is episode eight of my recitals of the Tibitaka on Edward Reeb's Buddhist Books podcast. If this is your first time seeing me, click here instead. That will take you to the playlist for the Tipitaka uh, recitals. Go ahead and start with episode one. So, uh, before we get started with the reading, I got a couple things from the Polytech Society. Now, if this is your 70th, 71st, I don't know how many episodes I've done. But uh, the first, like, 62 or 63 were just kind of practice so uh, that's why I, I always refer you to the beginning of the Tipitaka, uh, because that's where I think it starts getting good. Um, more on that in a minute. So uh, here we have book two, which includes volumes three and four of Jataka. It was missing when they sent me all of these books. This was missing, and they have sent it to me. Apparently it was out of stock uh, when they sent me the first shipment of books. So now I have it, and I can work it in to where it goes on there. The other book they sent me, Designation of Human Types. So I don't know why my mind jumps to, oh, this is probably something really, you know, arcane and, and, and uh, it doesn't hold up to the test of time, sort of like the, uh, the Theosophical Society's 19th century designation of you know, ethnicities and how, you know, black people are body-oriented and yellow people are mind-oriented. I apologize. Please forgive me. I am not advocating their stupidity. I am just letting you know about their stupidity. Um, what can you do? Designation of human types is like about greedy people, envious people, um, people with who are crafty, people who are slanderers, People who are uh, two-eyed, I don't think that means, you know, that they have two eyes. A person who is diamond-minded, a person who is lightning-minded. So this is more like, oh, oh, so it's sort of like astrology, but without the stupid part. It's, it's like the, uh, you know, that yeah, there are different types of people. Some people are very quick-witted. Some people are a little, you know, I mean, there's like a, a plethora of, uh, you could say, types of people, but even that is stereotyping, and we could we could uh, criticize it too. But at least it's not what I was thinking is like, well, if somebody has a skull of bone structure like this, then you know that they're this type of human. That's more of a uh, abuse of Darwin that came much later than the, you know, whatever BC times that this uh, Buddhist scripture was written. I think it might be part of uh, the Abhidhamma, which most of that came later. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong below, I don't think Abhidhamma could be considered pre-sectarian early Theravada. I think it's more sectarian Theravada, like post-Ashok. But again, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I wanted to mention, uh, before I get into this next part, that... I'm not a teacher. I, I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm pretending to be a teacher or claiming to be a teacher. What I am is a silly guy from California who came to India on a Buddhist pilgrimage, more or less, and unexpectedly met and fell in love with a woman from Bihar, and now I live here, and I put on a monk's robe and read Buddhist scriptures on my YouTube channel. 
which I have since turned into a podcast. If you, if you think that that is what I am, you are correct. Um, I am not an authority. If you want an authority, go somewhere else. I was scrolling through my YouTube uh, last night, right before bed. Don't do that, because you never know, you know? Um, and I saw this. Uh, I don't know anything about it. I haven't watched it. And so it might be just the best channel. It might be your favorite channel. You might have seen this guy's video right before you saw mine. Uh, I won't go into too much detail, but basically it was, it was uh, based on the context of the expression of the man's face and the title of it. I got the feeling that it was going to be saying that if you want to learn about Buddhism... Don't research it on the internet or read books about Buddhism. Okay, dot, dot, dot. Well, then what should I do? Join my cult or join a good cult. Find your cult. Okay, maybe not cult. Temple, group. Find an ordained person who was ordained, who has the lineage of a proper teacher that goes all the way back to the throne, the lion throne of the Buddha himself in the Lotus Sutra or whatever. Um, and that may be right for you. That may be good advice for you. Anyone old enough to remember and nerdy enough uh, that Devo song? It's a beautiful world for you. Uh, not me. It's not for me. I, my whole, the whole thing, the whole premise behind this is I want this information to be available for me and for you and for anyone who um, doesn't want to join a group, you know, maybe is just sort of like interested, but not interested enough to like go to a temple and say, teach me, where do I sit? Oh, okay. Who do I give my tithe to? You know, um, again, that's, I'm not, I'm not uh, meaning to disrespect these institutions, just only to say that for my own reasons, I don't want to be a part of a group or an organization or a temple. And yet I feel the call to learn and to uh, learn these things. I also have kind of a, a sense of humor and uh, I sometimes I, I sound like an arrogant know-it-all and I blame my dad for having been an arrogant know-it-all and a college professor for many decades, a few anyway. And uh, so by the time I was five years old, I was always, already speaking with this sort of arrogant know-it-all tone of voice when I knew nothing. And I still know just about nothing, by the way. So there you go. I'll give you a minute to say, okay, screw this guy. I'm going to go watch something else. Okay. Uh, for those of you who remained, uh, thank you. Um, if you saw the previous episode, you might remember that I had said, hey, check out this video about this third religion that was, you know, around the same time as Mahavir and, and Buddha, and tell me in the comments below, which, I mean, I don't blame you for not having done this, because I just posted it two days ago, and I, I'm mostly talking to the future, so people in the future, from my perspective, who saw that, did watch that. Um, if you did not see prior to these eight episodes, including this one of Tipitaka, there were 25 episodes called Jayan Sutras. And the foundation upon which the reading of those, you know, for this podcast was built was... I think Buddha, you know, Siddhartha Gautama was a practicing Jainist. And he was inspired by Mahavira. And then he went his own way and became Lord Buddha. And thus we have... Buddhism. I, I 
came to that conclusion at that time when I was in Bihar. And the video that I recommended to you in episode 7 of Tipitaka starts out by saying... When Buddhism and Jainism were taking roots in India, they were just two of more than 62 religious groups that originated in India during the 6th century BC. So, just based on that clip and that clip, one can easily say, oh, well, obviously Edward was mistaken. And, uh, yeah, I understand. And I also, I, 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 I am interested, I mean, of course we all have egos, right? So I would be lying if I were to say I have no ego investment in backing up a claim that I made with my mouth publicly in the past. Of course, one has an ego investment in that, but that's all that is. My uh, interest, my number one interest should be and is and 99% is and I aspire to make it 100% um, truth. I, I'm interested in what is true. So that being said, um, I, I have my thoughts on after having watched that video and done a little bit of research, which may come off like I'm defending my original position. Uh, but, uh, you know, if it does, then it does. That might be that little bit of ego defense of stuff I said creeping in there. You're probably like, what? This is Buddhist books? Yeah, sometimes it's like this. But I will, I promise, get to the reading, and I'll be reading for a while. So if you want, you can kind of skip skip ahead a bit and get to the reading if you're just only here for the reading. Um, so yeah, my thoughts are, as you just heard, um, Jainism and Buddhism and this third religion, Ajivika, uh, were but three of 62 different religions founded in the 6th century, right? Um, so a couple things first off is Mahavir, our old friend, see I have him next to Buddha under the Bodhi tree, so kind of related to this. Um, he himself never said, here is a new religion that I am starting and I'm going to call it Jainism. He only ever said, uh, yes, I'm bringing back Jainism because it's kind of fallen away from, from you know, uh, like people's knowledge and, and the tip of people's tongues. Um, but prior to him was the 23rd Tirthankara Parshvanat, who uh, scholars acknowledge is a real person, a historical person, who also taught the basically the same thing that Mahavir taught 300 years earlier. So we're talking 9th century BC, not 6th century BC. So... Yeah, the thing, the organization, or, you know, you could say that whatever Mahavir founded in the 6th century, if you accept as fact that it didn't exist before Mahavir, then sure, that statement that uh, the maker of that YouTube makes sense. He did say take root. He didn't say he founded it. He said that the religion took root. So, based on the metaphor of taking root, it could have been a seed, right? Sitting on a leaf or, or on a rock for 300 years or 20,000 years before that, and then it finally took root in the 6th century, which in the case of Jainism would be accurate. Um, Parshvanat himself, uh, according to various scriptures, you could say, well, that was written then, and that wasn't, didn't come from there, and you know, like, but based on uh, what Jainism says, um, and this is pre-sectarian Jainism as far as I know, uh, Parshvanat 
was only claiming to be reviving Jainism. He didn't invent Jainism. He was bringing it back. Uh, and Neminata was uh, the previous Tirtankara, and he had brought Jainism back. And then Parshvanath was bringing it back, and then Mahavir was bringing it back. And they all uh, claim their lineage back to a, uh, a certain Adinata, or Vrishabhanata, who was said to be the founder of Jainism. He was also 10 feet tall and lived for a million years and stuff like that. Uh, you know, things get exaggerated uh, if you go far enough back. But that all being said, the uh, Indus River Valley civilization from like five or 6,000 years ago has statues that uh, scholars, you know, I'm just, uh, you can Google it if you want. I, I don't know the names of the specific individuals who say this, but uh, have been identified as being the various poses that are taught in Mahavir's Jainism um, to the Jainists of his day and of today. The same poses are in statues in Indus River Valley civilization. So, so that's one thing. Now, uh, so, okay, Buddhism came around, uh, Mahavir, you know, uh, Jainism was already, a, had already been well established, right? I don't think anybody will deny that it had been well established when Buddha was beginning to preach, right? Um, and Buddha preached for a long time, about 40 years. And our information, other than, I guess, apparently there's some other places where you can find information about uh, uh Ajivika, but aside from that, the information about five of the other 62 um, religions that were around, that were active, that had been founded right around that time, that were contemporaries with Buddha and Mahavir, uh, come from, the information about it comes from the, uh, the Dika Nikaya, which is the beginning of the second basket, which we will get to after we finish the first basket. So after we read all the rules books, then we'll get into these stories, which include his uh, thoughts and ideas about those other sects and those other teachers. So you might get a picture of, okay, well, there's 62 different religions and they're all basically meditating. And because uh, if you look up the uh, Shramana, uh, Sramana religions, it talks about, well, they're ascetic and people work really hard and uh, uh, do stuff to try to break out of the wheel of samsara, the cycle of reincarnation, in order to attain nirvana. So you might have this picture in your head of, okay, there's 62 different religions and they're all basically doing exactly the same thing as Jainism and Buddhism. So why does Edward insist that Buddhism came from Jainism when he just could have heard, heard it from anywhere? And these, uh, these, these monks that he was, he was starving himself with before he decided to go his own way and break away from them, uh, you know, they could have been from any sect or they could have been from no sect. Okay, so uh, let's get into, if that's what you're thinking, you know, we'll continue with the thought process. Let's get into the, um, let me move over here. So according to um, the Buddhists, which again, this might be, some people say this is biased, like maybe it's a little like asking the Catholics about what the Gnostics believe, you know, I don't know if you know what that uh, is a reference to. But anyway, according to Buddhism, according to the Diga Nikaya, um, six of those other teachers that were around at the same time of Buddha are Makali Gosala, who is the subject of that video that I recommended. And he was the founder of Ajivika, 
um, and their teachings included that there is no free will and also you should have sex whenever you want and there's dancing. So that sounds a little different, right, from Buddhism and Jainism. A little bit, just a little bit. Um, I'll try to move, quite, move along more quickly so we can get to the reading. Then there was uh, Pirana Kasala, and he was the founder of amoralism, or I don't know the name of his sect, but it, it basically they call it amoralism. And he taught that there is no good or evil, only thinking makes it so. All right, all right, Jainism and Buddhism talk about avoiding evil and, you know, be good and don't do bad deeds and then you'll, it'll help you attain nirvana and if you do bad, too many bad deeds, then you'll go to the Avicii hells. So, okay, so this sounds, these both sound a little different from both Jainism and Buddhism, right? So, uh, the third of these 62 different teachers and religions that were founded in um, 6th century BCE uh Ajita Kesakambali, and he was the founder of Lokayata Charavaka, and uh, their teachings included uh, straight-up materialism and that there's no afterlife. So, reincarnation cycle? What are you talking about? No. Um, yeah, I don't know if they were, like, doing something or if they were just like, yeah, yeah, materialism. So, basically, this is, like, the assumed... Uh, philosophy of uh, the atheist world, I guess, today. I mean, much of it, I think, right? Materialist and uh, not believing in anything. Um, and then, you know, the, like the Thelemites and people might be, might be fond of Ajibika. He sounds pretty cool. He was drunk. He said, disgrace my body. No, honor my body and have sex if you want to. Don't worry about chastity or anything like that. So, you know, these might, might resonate with, uh, with today, but not as much with early Buddhism or with Jainism. Next, Pakuda Kakayana. I might be mispronouncing some of these. Um, he was uh, the founder of a school of thought or religion, I guess, uh, which they called atomism, which reminds me a little bit of one of the Greek philosophers whose name escapes me right now, uh, but it sounded very similar. There were a bunch of them, actually. One of them said everything is made of water, and one of them said everything is made of fire, and different types, you know. But he said everything is made of the seven eternal elements, which are earth, air, fire, water, and happiness, pain, and the soul. And uh, yeah, so other than that, nothing's eternal. When you die, you go back to these seven elements. So cycle of reincarnation, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There's nothing to be free from because, you know, it's just we're all just made up of these seven elements. Next, uh, Sanjaya Bellatiputa, who was the founder of a school known as Agnana, which is straight up the same as the word agnosticism. Um, and their their whole thing was they refuse to have an opinion on anything. That sound it sounds a little bit like actually both both they and Ajivika uh, or Mokala Gosala rather in different ways both remind me of. Uh, uh, oh shoot! I've forgotten his name, but you know who I mean, right? Uh, that Greek guy that would act like a dog. The, the Greek philosopher, he was like the ultimate cynic. Usually I can remember his name, but I'm on the spot here and my brain isn't coughing it up. Okay, so the uh, sixth of the religions that Buddha mentions uh, is, uh, you know, the founder is Niganta Nataputa, which is pretty much universally agreed to be Mahavir, that Mahavira is who he's talking about. 
and he of course is the uh, reinvigorator or you know his, his, some say the guy in that video says the founder of Jainism even though he was the 24th Tirtankara of Jainism and their teachings include an emphasis on meditation avoiding evil the, uh, the practice of nonviolence or ahimsa non-attachment and uh, escaping the cycle of reincarnation and attaining nirvana through, you know, meditating, prolonged meditation and devotion, and in the in the early days, extreme uh, starvation and stuff like that. Okay, which sounds a lot like the path the Buddha was on before he went his own way and uh, decided to have that bowl of rice, doesn't it? So I don't know. I think that. Um, I still think that the theory holds water. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's definitely true that uh, Buddha was a practicing Jainist or that he had been put on the path after leaving the princely life by followers of Mahavir, if not Mahavir himself. But I find it interesting that the story of Makali Gosala includes that he was an entertainer and then he met Mahavir and traveled with him for six years. And after six years, he had he, he decided he completely disagreed with Mahavir and he went and founded a religion that was the opposite in every way of Jainism. And if we go back to the map, you remember here uh, on the upper, the upper one here is Mahavir, the lower one down here is the Buddha. Now, if we pan back a little bit, then we can find where Mokali Gosala established his religion of Ajivika, which was in Shravasti, Uttar Pradesh, the state next to uh, present-day Bihar. So his story was exactly the thing that I'm saying might possibly, probably, I think maybe have been Buddha's story, which was that he learned from Mahavir, then went his own way. Um, that, that is how he got started. The, the third of these surviving, you know, uh, well, they survived up until medieval times. And then the only last two contenders are Buddhism and Jainism. Um, so yeah, so Buddha was right next to Mahavir and, uh, you know, no connection whatsoever, right? With, with, with Mahavir. He just came up with it all on his own. After meditating, he just on his own spontaneously came up with the concept of, nir of, of nirvana and the concept of samsara and the concept of nonviolence and the concept... No, no, obviously he didn't. He got it from somewhere. And uh, if it was not Mahavir, then it was the teachings of Parshvanat, which were uh, all over the place at that time. And then, um, of course, in the Yoga Sutras, which came about 400 years later, um, the principles the specific principles of chastity, nonviolence, and, and uh, non-possessiveness, and all, all these things, even cleanliness and, and contentment and all of these uh, that were present in Jainism also found their way into yoga. And in Buddhism, mostly, mostly, Buddha kind of weaved them in there, but he had his own uh, very clear view. So... That's, that's my thoughts on that video. Um, I went on a little longer than I thought I was going to, so sorry about that. Okay, Parshvanath, thank you um, for your presence here. Sometimes these episodes uh, veer away a little bit from the reading, and then they, they come back to the reading. Um, for those who, who are new and who, who, who didn't 
did not start with episode one of Dhammapada nor episode one of Tipitaka. Actually, I, I don't think I veered too far, well, a little bit in the first one, and, and yesterday only only slightly, eight minutes in the, yesterday's, but we've gone, I think, 24, 25 minutes of this one. So, now we're going to get to the reading. See, this was from Darjeeling. So you got the Tibetan flags and the uh, mountains. Cool stuff. Cheers. Oh, also the toy train. See, they have this little train. I was expecting it to be like small, like the one at LA Zoo, or used to be at LA Zoo. I'm dating myself. People, people born in 1987 probably have no idea what I'm talking about if they're from LA. But yeah, uh, the Gen Xers and, and Boomers know what I'm talking about. You know, that little train that's in the jerk, Steve Martin. It's not that small. It's just smaller than a regular train, but it's like solid and there's people sitting inside. They're not like sitting on top of it. It takes like apparently eight hours to get from the bottom of the mountain up to Darjeeling. One day, maybe I'll do that, but yeah, driving is quicker. Okay, so defeat Parajika part two, or at least Roman numeral two. <sighs> Let's get into it. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord, was staying at Rajigaha on the slopes of the vulture's peak. Now at that time, a large company of monks who were friends and comrades, having made a grass hut on the Isigili mountain slope, went up there for the rains. Also, the venerable Dania, the potter's son, having made a grass hut, went up there for the rains. Then these monks, having spent the rains for three months, demolished the grass huts and, having put away the grass and wood, departed on tour into the country. But the venerable Dania, the potter's son, spent the rains there, the cold weather there, the hot weather there. Then when the venerable Dania, Dania, the potter's son, had gone into the village for alms, women gathered grass, gathering, gathering grass, gathering firewood, demolished the grass hut, and went away taking the grass and wood. A second time did the venerable Dania, the potter's son, having collected grass and wood, make a grass hut. A second time, when the venerable Dania, the potter's son, had gone into the village for alms, women, gathering grass, gathering firewood, destroyed the grass hut, and went away taking the grass and wood. A third time did the venerable Dania, the potter's son, having collected grass and wood, make a grass hut. This guy needs to read... Uh, the three little pigs. They make the third one out of stone, right? Or bricks. Anyway, um, a third time, yes. A third time when the venerable Dania, the potter's son, had gone into the village for alms, gathering grass, gathering firewood, demolishing the grass hut, and went away, taking the grass and wood. 
Then the venerable Dania, the potter's son, thought, quote, For the third time, when I have gone into the village for alms, women gathering grass, gathering firewood, demolished the grass hut and went away taking the grass and wood. But I am well taught, experienced in my own craft, accomplished in the potter's craft. Harry Potter's ancestors, you know. Anyway, uh, what now if I needing mire myself, should make a hut consisting of nothing but mud. End quote. Then the venerable Dania, the potter's son, needing mire himself, making a hut consisting of nothing but mud, collecting grass and wood and cow dung, baked his hut, baked this hut. It was a beautiful, lovely, pleasing red hut, just like a little ladybird. And just like the sound of a small bell, so was the sound of this hut. Then the Lord, as he was descending from the slopes of the vulture's peak, with a great company of monks, saw this beautiful, lovely, pleasing red hut, and seeing it, he addressed the monks, saying, quote, Monks, what is this beautiful, lovely, pleasing red thing like a ladybird? Then, end quote, then the monks told this matter to the Lord. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them, saying, quote, Monks, it is not suitable in this foolish man. It is not fit. It is not becoming. It is not worthy of a recluse. It is not seemly. It should not be done. For how, monks, can this foolish man make a hut out of nothing but mud? Certainly, monks, this foolish man can have no consideration, compassion, and mercy for creatures. Go, monks, demolish this hut. Do not let the folk who come after bring downfall to creatures. And monks, a hut consisting of nothing but mud should not be made. Whosoever shall make one, there is an offense of wrongdoing. End quote. So if you remember last time, wrongdoing is when you just stare at the severed head while you do funky things. Um, but but apparently it's not as bad as touching the mouth while you do funny things. That'll get you kicked out. So he's not saying uh, you are defeated. He's saying this is wrong. You shouldn't be, you, you know, monks by definition, they're supposed to be at that time like wanderers and homeless. And so they build the little vihara, which is like the grass hut apparently. And uh, he said, you know, people keep taking the grass from my grass hut. So I'm going to build a house and live in it. Okay. You're no longer homeless after you build a proper house, right? Baked, so that's like solid, solid mud. Here, I don't know about where, you, where you're from, but here like a mud house means like a good quality house. Um, so. All right. Very well, Lord, the monks said. And having answered the Lord, they went up to the hut and having gone up to the hut, they destroyed it. 
Then the venerable da- Dania, the potter's son, said to these monks, quote, Why, reverend sirs, do you destroy my hut? And quote, uh, quote, Reverend sir, the Lord causes it to be demolished. And quote, they said, quote, Destroy it, reverend sirs, if the Lord of Dhamma causes it to be destroyed. End quote, he said. Then the venerable Dania, the potter's son, thought, For the third time, when I have gone into the village for alms, women gathering grass, gathering firewood, demolished the grass hut, went away taking the grass and wood. And now this hut made by me and consisting of nothing but mud has been caused to be demolished by the Lord. Now, the overseer in the woodyard is a friend of mine. What now if I, having begged the overseer in a woodyard for some sticks, were to make a wood hut? Hmm. All right. Then the venerable Dania, the potter's son, went up to the overseer in the woodyard, and having gone up, he spoke thus to the overseer in the woodyard. Quote, for the third time, your reverence, when I had gone into the village for alms, women gathering grass, gathering firewood, had, quote, dot, 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 the lovely dots, how I love the dots. I just hate reading words that were written by the ancient Buddhists. I would rather read dots and stop and go, what what goes in the dots? Hmm. All right. Okay, sorry. Uh, Yes, where were we? The dots threw me off. Um, Has been caused to be destroyed by the Lord. So everything he just said, right? So the the women destroyed my grass huts and then the Lord caused my mud hut to be destroyed. Okay. Um, Give me some sticks, your reverence. I want to make a wood hut. End quote. Quote, there are no such sticks, honored sir, that I could give the master. These, honored sir, are sticks held for the king, serving to repair the city, laid down in case of accident. If the king has those dealt out, you might take them, honored sir, end quote, he said. Quote, your reverence, they are gifts from the king, end quote. Then the overseer of the woodyard thought, These recluses, sons of the Sakyans, are followers of Dhamma, followers of tranquility, followers of the Brahma life, speakers of truth, virtuous of good conduct. Now the king has faith in these. It is not right for what is said to be given not to be given. End quote. So the Buddhist monks had a reputation for being truthful, right? I mean, truth is one of the, you know, big tenets, right? Right speech. Then the overseer of the woodyard spoke thus to the venerable Dania. But we know he's lying, don't we? Hmm. The potter's son, quote, you may take some. The sum is in quotes. We'll take the sum out and see how it sounds. You may take. Honored sir. Sounds fine. Then the venerable Dania, the potter's son, had these sticks broken up piece by piece and, having brought them out by means of wagons, made a wood 
hut. I have a feeling things aren't going to go so well for Dania. I'm having flashbacks to uh, good old what's his name from uh, from the previous. One day these names will stick in my brain. Anyway, now the Brahmin Vasakara, the chief minister in Magad, while he was inspecting the works in Rajagada, Rajagada came up to the overseer in the woodyard. And having come up, he spoke thus to the overseer in the woodyard. Quote, look here, where are these sticks held for the king, serving to repair the city, laid down in case of accident? End quote. Quote, sir, these sticks were given by the king to Master Dania, the potter's son. End quote, he said. Then the Brahmin Vasakara, the chief minister in Magad, was displeased. Quote, how can the king give the sticks held for the king, serving to repair the city, laid down in case of accident, to Dania, the potter's son? End quote. He said, then the Brahmin Vasakara, the chief minister in Magad, went up to King Sania Bimbisara of Magad, and having come up, he spoke thus to King Sania Bimbisara of Magad. Quote, is it true, as is said sire, that the sticks held for the king, serving to repair the city, laid down in case of accident, were given by the king to Dania, the potter's son? Quote, Who said that? End quote. That's the voice of the king. <clears throat> quote, The overseer in the wood, uh, in the woodyard, sire. End quote. He said, <clears throat> Quote, Then Brahman, send for the overseer of the woodyard. End quote. He said, Then... Visakara, the chief minister of Magadha, had the overseer of the woodyard fetched, bound. For, uh, the venerable Dania, the potter's son, saw the overseer of the woodyard being brought along, bound, and said to him, quote, Why are you brought bound, your reverence? End quote. Quote, because of this business with the pieces of wood, honored sir. And quote, he said, quote, Go, your reverence, for I come. And quote, he said, quote, You should come with me, honored sir, before I am done for. And quote, he said, <clears throat> Then the venerable Dania, the potter's son, approached the dwelling of King Sania Biru Bisara of Magadha. And having approached it, he sat down on the appointed seat. Then King Sania Bimbisara of Magadha came up to the venerable da Dania, the potter's son. And having come up, and greeted the venerable Dania, the potter's son, he sat down to one side, and sitting to one side, King Sania Bimbisara of Magadha spoke thus to the venerable Dania, the potter's son. 
quote, Is it true, as is said, honored sir, that the pieces of wood held for the king, serving to repair the city, laid down in case of need, have been given by me to the master? End quote. Quote, it is so, your majesty. End quote. He said, quote, we kings are very busy, honored sir, with much to do. Having given, we may not remember. Come, honored sir, remind me. End quote. <clears throat> quote, do you remember, your majesty, when you were first anointed? This phrase was uttered. Let the recluses and Brahmins enjoy gifts of grass, wood, and water, end quote. Quote, I remember, honored sir. There are, honored sir, recluses and Brahmins who are modest, scrupulous, anxious for training. There is only a little worry with these. What was uttered by me was meant for these. And that was what was in the jungle not owned. So you, honored sir, think to steal wood not given by this trick. Not given to you in, in parentheses. By this trick. How could one like me flog or imprison or banish a recluse or a Brahmin living in the kingdom? Go, honored sir, you are freed on account of your hair, but do not do such a thing again. End quote, said the king. People became annoyed, vexed, and angry, saying, quote, These recluses, sons of the, uh, of the Sakyans, are shameless, of bad conduct, liars. And they pretend to be followers of Dhamma, followers of tranquility, followers of the Brahma life, speakers of truth, those who are virtuous of good conduct. There is no recluseship among these. There is no Brahmanhood among these. Recluseship is lost among these. Brahmanhood is lost among these. Where is recluseship among these? Where is Brahmanhood among these? These have destroyed recluseship. These have destroyed Brahmanhood. If these deceive the king, how much more then do other people? End quote. Monks heard these people who were annoyed, vexed, and angry. Those who were modest, happy monks, conscientious, scrupulous, anxious for training, became annoyed, vexed, angry, and said, quote, How can the venerable Dania, the potter's son, take pieces of wood belonging to the king when they have not been given to him? End quote. Then these monks told this matter to the Lord, and the Lord on that occasion, in this connection, having the company of monks convened, questioned the venerable Dania, the potter's son, saying, quote, Is it true, as is said, Dania, that you have taken pieces of wood belonging to the king when they were not given to you? In parentheses. It is true, Lord. 
the enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked him, saying, It is not fit, foolish man. It is not seemly. It is not becoming. It is not worthy of a recluse. It is not proper. It is not to be done. How can you, foolish man, take the pieces of wood belonging to the king when they have not been given to you? Foolish man, it is not for the benefit of non-believers, not for increase in the number of believers. It is to the detriment of non-believers as well as of believers. And it causes wavering in some. End quote. Ooh, I see where this is going. Sudina, the Kalundaka. That was the name of the guy. The first guy that started the, the section of sex stuff. I think this is the guy starting the section of the stealing rules. We'll see. Now, at that time, a certain former minister of justice who had gone forth among the monks, among the monks was sitting near the Lord. And the Lord spoke thus to this monk. Quote, For what amount of theft, in parentheses, does King Senia Bimbisara of Magadha, having caught a robber, flog or imprison or banish him? For a pada, Lord. Ancient coins. All right. For the worth of a pada, or for more than a pada, he said. Now at that time, in Rajagaha, the pada was worth five masakas. Woo-wee! Woo! Is that a lot? I don't know. Okay, anyway. Then the Lord, blaming the venerable Dania, the potter's son, in several ways for his uh, difficulty in behaving himself, dot, 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 end quote, What goes in the dots, Polytech Society? All right. This thus monks the course of training should be set forth. Quote, whatever monk should take. Oh, wait, that's not the king. That's the Buddha. <clears throat> whatever monk should take by means of theft, what has not been given to him, in such manner of taking as kings, catching a thief in the act of stealing, would flog him or imprison him or banish him, saying, You are a robber, you are foolish, you are wrong, you are a thief. Even so a monk, taking what is not given him, is also one who is defeated. He is not in communion. And thus, this course of training for the monks was made known by the Lord. It's a good place to stop, I think. Well. Yeah. I mean, so far, the, the uh, sort of the, the pattern is starting to emerge of how these rules are starting with a, a very specific story, a very specific telling of an event that happened, presumably, um, as in the case of Sudina, now is the name that will stick later. Uh, it doesn't. It takes a little while. Um, yeah. So now I I expect that this next this 
Roman numeral two section, the II that you saw in the title, is going to be about all the different permutations and all the different ways that monks steal small things, big things, and where the line is between being defeated and cast out and just needing to be publicly shamed and uh, just, you know, okay, you did a wrongdoing, but not, no mention of public shaming. Interesting. All right. You know, on one level, I could say I'm looking forward to getting past all the rules so that we can get to the teachings. But on another level, I mean, my dad taught me a lot of the teachings. I read a lot of the sutras. I read all the Shobogenzo. So I, I'm reading this because this is what it is. You know, I'm reading the Tipitaka to read the Tipitaka, not to complain about the Tipitaka. And I really, I have no complaints. I'm enjoying reading the rules. I'm more thinking about you guys. If you're like, well, this is boring. I, I wanted Buddhism. When are you going to get into the cool stuff? Like, everything is nothing and nothing is everything. You're thinking of Nagarjuna. He didn't come around until about uh, a thousand years after this stuff. Um, but no. Uh, seriously, um, yeah, no, the teachings will come around, the stories and the, uh, the various lectures and things that are recorded in the, uh, the later parts, but this first basket is the rules basket, so we get to go through the rules, but in, in going through the rules, I, I feel like we're getting to know the Buddha as well, and kind of what he had to deal with, what, you know, it's like, uh, you know, things that a person can expect if they're going to come into a position of, of leadership within a sangha or in any uh, context where they're, they're trying to lead a group of, of people who are working together in a spiritual context, um, which to me, it's, it's, it's nice to read about from the outside. Um, I, am, I am grateful. For those who don't know me, I was in a uh, spiritual group for about 20 years when I was younger. It was not a Buddhist group. Um, but it was a, a group that was very monastic, you could say. Um, not 100% uh, not monastic, but definitely like one of these other, those other six, you know, you were allowed to have a family and, 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 and a job and stuff like that, but you better be there on Saturdays and Sundays, and you better, you know, jump when you're told to jump by your, by your master, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. Having gone through that and come out of that, I'm not interested in going back into anything that resembles that in this life. So I'm, I'm enjoying reading this. I hope you're enjoying listening to me read it. Um, and uh, it is what it is. So we will pick up right where we left off next time. <clears throat> Let me know your thoughts on anything uh, that I've mentioned in this episode in the comments below and uh, I will close in the usual manner. Thank you to the people of Sant Nagar for all the, uh, the background noises as always. Chukong. Did I leave anything out? I, I think in my notes there was just uh, that the, the Shravana, the yeah, Shravana religions that was the category of religions that were the uh, called the ascetics, and then Buddhism and Jainism are just two of many examples of the Shramana religions, uh, which have a diverse range of beliefs ranging from accepting or denying the soul, fatalism to free will, asceticism or family life, uh, strict ahimsa, nonviolence, or hunting and eating meat. 
Um, so yeah, so that is a very big category. I think the only thing that you can really say that they all had in common, you know, that the word asceticism kind of fails to mean what it has come to mean because it has come to be defined by the practices of Jainism and Buddhism, not by the, ah, uh, you know, whatever. It, it really only means that it was non-Brahmanic. In other words, it was non-Vedic. It was non-Aryan, you might say. It was uh, original Indian, as in the people of the Indus River Valley civilization. Dravidians, it was, it was the old school Indian religions. Um, not the Johnny-come-lately Vedas with their caste system and Brahmins and stuff. Is, is this, am I, being, am I being controversial? I hope not. Maybe a little, a little controversial, some, some might say. Fortunately, very few people watch this channel. So, you know, if there were, if there were 100,000 people watching this, then I might get one or two guys upset that that's just a theory. The Aryan invasion hasn't been proven. Man. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, evolution's just a theory too, right? Uh huh. I'll go ahead and close now. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time.